Do you enjoy our podcasts? Help us to be able to continue creating quality content by visiting our merch store at store.another12.org. You'll find some great merch there, and the best part about it is that a portion of every purchase goes to support the work that we do. Welcome to Drippings from the Honeycomb, the official podcast of Another 12 Ministries. We are so glad that you have decided to join us as we enjoy the sweetness of God's Word one verse at a time. What would motivate people to silence someone in need? Matthew 20.31 says, The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Now, of course, this passage comes from the famous story where Jesus is on the Passion Road. He is headed down towards the final week of his life in Jerusalem. And as he is in Jericho and being followed by this large crowd of people, two blind men sitting by the side of the road hear that Jesus has come their direction. And they start crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Now, obviously, they have heard of who Jesus is. They have clearly understood that he is someone who has the power to radically change their situation. The miracles of Jesus are well known throughout Jerusalem at this point. He has been going throughout different parts of the country for three years now. And so the news of what he has done has spread far and wide. And when they hear that he is there, they're immediately motivated to seek out his assistance. And they use an amazing term for him. They use the term son of David, this recognition of royalty that Jesus is from the line of David, that he is the coming king of Israel. And it's not certain whether they fully understood what they're even saying. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. But what they did know was that he was in a position to help them. And they knew that they needed help. They needed to see Seeing would change their entire lives. It would turn them from beggars into men who could work for their own living. And so seeing was more than just the convenience of having eyesight. It meant a radical shift in their life. It meant a radical change in the way they had to live their day-to-day and what their future would look like. And so they were seeking out time from Jesus, an audience with the king, to be healed. But in the middle of this story is a shocking verse where the crowd suddenly rebukes these two men that are crying out for help. They essentially tell them, sit down and be quiet. Stop yelling. But the response of the blind men is as one might expect from someone in a desperate situation. Not only are they not silenced by the crowd shouting them down, instead they yell all the more, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Now, one thing that's important whenever you engage with a Bible story like this is to remember that they didn't say, Lord, Son of David, twice. It's recorded in the scriptures twice because Matthew is writing a short account about it. But to gain the full impact of this story, you really need to put yourself into this situation. Jesus is walking on this road that passes through Jericho. He's on his way to Jerusalem for the Passover. So he's joined by thousands of pilgrims that are also going to Jerusalem for the Passover. In addition, everywhere he goes, he draws a crowd anyway. So the locals have come out to see Jesus. They've come out to see what he will do or to see if he will stop and teach them. So it's a mass of people that are moving through the streets 
looking, listening, waiting for something to happen. Because wherever Jesus goes, something amazing happens. That has been the nature of his ministry. Wherever he has gone, he has given this incredible authoritative teaching. He has done miracles. And so people are curious. They want to see. And as this throng is passing by, somehow these blind men, probably through listening, figure out that Jesus is in the middle of the crowd. The crowd is there because Jesus is there. And remember, it wasn't like the street was completely empty and then suddenly Jesus and this huge entourage showed up. The street is busy. People are traveling back and forth, walking to Jerusalem. Jericho was the last major stop on the road to Jerusalem. So there's a lot of traffic going back and forth, but all of a sudden there's a crowd that is disproportionate to the normal traffic. And they identify that Jesus is there and they start yelling. And so you have to imagine the noise, the din of the crowd, these men screaming at the top of their lungs, trying to get Jesus's attention. This is their one chance to receive their sight. This is the one opportunity they have, perhaps the only opportunity they will ever have to make contact with Jesus to see if he is willing to heal them. So you can imagine the hollering, the yelling, the crying out over the noise, trying to get Jesus's attention. And it would take some time of calling out like this in the middle of a crowd For Jesus to either hear them, we don't know where he was in relation to them, or perhaps people to hear them yelling and the message to make its way through maybe a disciple to Jesus. We're not sure exactly what that looked like. Somehow their crying out gets to the ears of Jesus. But before that happens, people in the crowd start shouting down these two men. They start rebuking them, telling them to be quiet, telling them to sit down and get out of the way. In essence, they are not to be a distraction to Jesus by calling out to him. They are to stay hidden, stay out of the way. Now, most people, when they think about this, when they truly sit down and confront themselves with the reality of the situation, are somewhat horrified by the idea that this crowd would try to silence these two men in need who are calling out for Jesus. This seems very harsh. This seems completely unloving on the part of those who are rebuking and shouting down these two blind men that are seeking help. After all, we're supposed to have compassion on people who need help. We're supposed to have empathy with people who are struggling. And being blind in the first century AD was a horrendous situation to find yourselves in. You couldn't work. You couldn't earn a living for your family. You were relegated to begging for a living. That was the only career opportunity open to you because you couldn't see. And so you were essentially an outcast in society. You had no societal value. And so far from taking empathy on these people, the crowd instead tries to push them out of the way so that the important Rabbi Jesus will not be bothered with their pitiful cries for help. Now, their actions really beg the question, who would do this to helpless people? Who would push these helpless people aside? And why would they do such a thing? Well, it all starts with perspective. You see, the crowd had an incorrect perspective. They had a failure to correctly recognize their own needs. They were in as much need as the blind men were, just in a slightly different way. Physically, those people in the crowd could see, but spiritually, they were as blind as the blind men were physically. See, the crowd had failed to recognize their own heart's condition. They had an incorrect perspective of who Jesus was, and so they didn't recognize their own need. 
Now, the blind men, on the other hand, had a correct perspective. They had the ability to correctly identify their own needs. First and foremost, their needs were physical. They needed healing. But secondly, they identified that there was one person that could help them. It wasn't a doctor. It wasn't going to be some radical new medicine or a new surgery that was going to give them their sight. It was going to be this man, this incredibly powerful man of whom there was something very different about, whether he was a prophet or whether he was the Messiah, perhaps they did not know. Scripture does not clear that up for us. All we know is that they address him as Lord, which is a term of great authority, and the son of David, which indicates that they had some understanding that he was unique in his position and in his power. And so they trusted in him to be able to alleviate their physical need. However, we also know from the scriptures that Jesus never did any miracles in the absence of faith. And because we know at the end of the story that he ultimately healed these men, there must have been, alongside of faith for physical healing, a certain measure of faith in the actual person of who Jesus was. Not only are these men healed at the end of the story, but they become his disciples. And so we can see that their heart also has the correct perspective, which is given to them by the Holy Spirit, allowing them to identify their need to follow Jesus. The second issue that causes the crowd to lash out against these blind men is the reason for which they sought out Jesus. The crowd sought Jesus out of faithless curiosity. They didn't have faith in him as their Messiah. They didn't accept him as their Messiah. At this point, we can see clearly through Jesus' ministry, the bulk of the crowds have just hung around to see what the show is all about. They want to see what Jesus is doing, what he's saying. They're curious. They like the big miracles. They like when he multiplied the food. They like sitting and listening to his incredible teaching, which is far more insightful and full of wisdom than what they're used to from their religious leaders. But in their hearts, they haven't made any change. They have not recognized Jesus as the Messiah. And so what draws them to Jesus is nothing more than curiosity. It's what keeps them there, but it will eventually wear off. Because they will eventually either walk away from Jesus completely or utterly and totally reject him and demand his crucifixion at the end of the Passion Week. But the blind men are not driven by faithless curiosity. Instead, they are driven by genuine faith. And this is revealed in the fact that they are filled with an attitude of desperate surrender in hopes of miraculous provision. They are seeking Jesus. They are willing to endure any persecution. They are willing to fight through any wall to get to him in the hopes that he will be able to meet their desperate need. Everything is on the table for these blind men at this point. It doesn't matter what happens. I'm sure if you are blind and you know that somewhere not very far in front of you is someone that can heal you, you're not going to worry about running and tripping and falling over something. If there's a limited opportunity to get to this person that can fix your eyesight so that you can see, you will risk skin knees, a broken wrist, a bad fall, tripping, looking like a fool. You'll risk it all to try and get to this person while your window of opportunity is open so that you can be healed. And that is the genuine faith that drives these two blind men. They don't care that they're being shushed. They don't care that the crowd is against them. They don't care that they're being rebuked. They are yelling 
loudly, and the more they're rebuked, the louder they're yelling. You have to picture them fighting through the crowd, trying to get to Jesus. Nothing else matters at this point other than reaching Jesus and getting a chance to ask him for what they desperately need, which is to heal their eyesight. But you see, the crowd, with its faithless curiosity, has only one hope for Jesus Christ, that he will go into Jerusalem and that he will kick out the Romans, that he will ascend to the throne with his incredible display of power that he's already used in performing all the many miracles that they've witnessed him do over his ministry. They want him to use that power for political gain to sit on the throne in Jerusalem and make Israel the greatest nation in the world. That's what they're after. They're after a political Messiah. It's been great listening to him teach. It's been amazing watching him do the miracles. But what good is cosmic power in the situation that first century Israel finds themselves in if you don't use it to defeat the greatest army the world had ever seen to that point, which is now oppressing you in the form of Rome? Healing people is great, but using cosmic power to defeat Rome is better. And that's the way the crowd feels. That is what the crowd is excited about. That is what the buzz is becoming. This man could be the one who takes over the kingship of David and sets up an eternal Israel where we'll be number one forever. We'll be the big dog on the block. No one will be able to touch us because our Messiah will be more powerful than anybody else and will prosper and will have peace and will be free and will be our own nation. And they clearly haven't been listening to the teaching of Jesus because he said multiple times that's not what he's here to do. He's made it very clear that he has come for a completely different purpose. But the crowds don't have faith and they are darkened in their thinking. And these two blind people are getting in the way of their political agenda. The crowd's political agenda is getting Jesus on the throne of Jerusalem so he can get rid of the Romans. They don't have time for two blind men who need healing. After all, if they're going to have Jesus as their king reigning in Jerusalem, somebody can take the two blind men to Jerusalem later after the political victory is won, and they can be healed then, and they'll just have to wait. Right now, they're interrupting this great man. They're interrupting this great rabbi. They're getting in the way of what the crowd wants. And so they're silencing them. But the blind men... Having had their hearts and their thinking enlightened by the work of the Holy Spirit, are pursuing salvation no matter what the cost. And ultimately, this pursuit overcomes those who are silencing them. And Jesus heals these men. He heals them because he is moved in his soul. He is moved in his body with compassion for these people. An empathy that twists the insides is the best way to describe it. And in our English language, we simply cannot convey the feeling that Jesus is undergoing when he sees these men, when he sees their condition. The scriptures translate the word as pity, but it's so much more than that. It's so much more of that pain inside your stomach you feel when you see the condition of someone who is desperate. And Jesus sees their faith, he sees their condition, and he heals them, and they follow him. The whole crowd, everyone trying to silence these two men, had missed it. 
And they didn't change even after they saw what happened. These men cried out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. They fought their way through the crowd. They overcame the silencing attempts by the crowd. And then they are healed. And it's not like we have a record of the crowd suddenly falling on their face and crying out, Messiah, Jesus, forgive us. We were wrong. No. Jesus proceeds into Jerusalem and a week later is given over to the Romans and crucified by the same people who entered Jerusalem with him triumphantly, who cried out Hosanna, who were all excited and driven by their faithless curiosity, but their hearts remained unchanged and they failed to recognize that Jesus was the true Son of God through whom salvation was going to come to mankind. They rejected the one that God had sent to them and they tried to silence those who would seek after him. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Drippings from the Honeycomb. If you would like to learn more about Another 12 Ministries and the work that we are doing to train youth ministry leaders to bring the gospel to young people, visit another12.org. If you would like to support our ministry, click on the donate link in the description below.